Hey, KMA. Hey. Welcome to the Big Fly Pod. Swung on a drill deep to right field. There it goes. See ya. First hit of the year. Oh, tries one. Deep left field. That goes up to it. Back near the wall. It's out of here. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Welcome to episode 57 of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host, Vinny D'Amato, Kame, and T. Lou. Boys, a lot has gone down since we last spoke. I have made my way back to the desert, to the wonderful state of Arizona, where it is a mere 65 degrees with a slight chance of rain here tonight. We're checking in with the fellows from the frozen tundra of the wonderful state of Illinois. Boys, Michael Bush is a Cub. Marcus Stroman is a Yankee. Jordan Hicks, a starter. Hmm? Signs with the Giants. We're also going to talk about the Giants as well. But more importantly, let's check in with the fellas. Vinny, how you doing, buddy? I just, I, I love your opening. That was, you deserve a round of applause. Seriously. Like, you, you get me hyped. You get me excited. I'm looking forward to this conversation. And it's even better knowing that now... For anyone who wants to know, Tyler is now in his first official baseball fantasy dynasty league. So super pumped about that, that I got him to, you know, fall into that trap door that is dynasty baseball. But um, yeah, I'm excited to dive into the episode. Teams being built. Ron Washington has been picked as the manager. Haven't discussed with them yet. He doesn't know his contract, but I want that man at the helm. You know who I also would love to have at the helm of my major league squad? Mr. Kyle May. Kyle May, how you doing? Yeah, boys doing good. Um, Ty mentioned earlier, it is the fourth frozen tundra down here. Um, feels like it's been negative degrees for about two weeks here. I know it has been that long, but it feels like it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to talking some baseball, getting some warm weather thoughts on my mind and uh, ready to dive right into it. Side note, K-May is an Arizona resident here in two weeks. He will be visiting. So we're excited to have him here at the Lewin household excited to show him the great state of Arizona. But boys, I feel for you, but I think good things are on the horizon. You're kind of, I feel like you're at like the worst of the worst now. This is, this is definitely like the dog days of winter. Yeah. You know? Like they say, yeah. Aug- they say August and like end of July is like the dog days of summer. Middle of January is definitely like the dog days of winter here. In Throughout like middle of February. Yeah. 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 For sure. The NFL cares about us, fellas, because it extended to whatever it is, 17 games, right? So you add an extra week to the schedule, which just makes our lives a little bit miserable because we get to watch the Bears one more time, um, which we did. Unfortunately, I had to experience with Packer fans in the same vicinity uh, for that game last weekend, which was painful and miserable. Um, I don't know if I'd rather be a Bears fan or a Philadelphia Eagles fan right now, but we won't talk NFL on this podcast because – you know, people are here to listen uh, to us talk baseball. So let's talk baseball, boys. Um, lots to get into. Lots of things to discuss. Trying to keep it under an hour here, which seems pretty unrealistic at this point with how fired up I am to be on this show. But, boys, we saw a pretty fascinating trade go down between the Chicago Cubs and the L.A. Dodgers. The Cubs had received infield prospect Michael Bush and right-handed pitcher Yancy Almonte while the Dodgers received both prospects from the Cubs, left-handed pitcher Jackson Ferris and infielder Zaheer Hope. Now, before I get into all the details as to your thoughts on the deal and everything, boys, I do want to just do a quick rundown of each guy, if you don't mind. So who is Michael Bush? Because he's the big name in this deal. Uh, 26-year-old quarter infielder, I call it former number two overall prospect for the Dodgers uh, and is a left-handed bat. He's had a pretty unbelievable minor league career. Um, his stat or uh, his slash line in his career, 283, 390, 529 with a 919 OPS, a very, very successful career with 79 bombs and 267 RBIs. Currently projected to be at first base now in Chicago. We'll see how spring training goes. Now, why did LA move him? Right. He was basically blocked. Max Muncie got resigned for the next three years. A man's third base. They're not obviously moving Freddie Freeman. 
Betts is the new second baseman moving forward, and a $700 million guy uh, is hitting in the DH spot and also likes to strike guys out with a 100-mile-per-hour fastball as well. Um, He's had a small stat line to his career thus far, uh, only uh, 81 plate appearances, uh, two home runs, but you know the slash line is not very great so far, but hopefully things will change. 167, 247, 292, 539 OPS. So really quickly on the other guys, Yancy Almonte, he'll likely plug in for that relief role with the Cubs, uh, sixth or seventh inning guy, great 2022, but uh, had a, t- a tough 2023 campaign, um, 1.02 ERA in 2022, 5.06 ERA in 2023. Now, if Council is smart, which we'll talk about this in a little bit as well, don't throw him against left-handed hitters, 841 OPS, 643 OPS against righties. Okay, so let's stop right there. And talk about the Cubs side of the deal, because I think both are just fascinating in itself. Um, We'll start with Vinny. Vinny as the unbiased Cubs fan. Thoughts on the return for the Cubs? Not talking about what the Cubs gave away, because that's going to be another conversation, but just your thoughts on who we got. Absolutely love it. Great deal by Chicago. Uh, The only problem with Michael Bush and the reason that he didn't get into the Dodgers lineup ever is he's just not a very good defender. Um, he is a lefty bat that the Cubs have desperately needed for a while. Uh, they kind of used Cody Bellinger for that last year. So I like the move from an offensive standpoint, defensive standpoint. I'm not quite sure where he's going to fit in. Um, I'm assuming they'll throw him at first base. That's where it looks like. That's where I think Fangraphs has him. And maybe the Cubs, you know, they have a few options at third base. I've even seen Matt Shaw could be thrown around halfway through the year. So Cubs have options now. Long story short, though, I just I absolutely love Michael Bush. I've been rooting for him for a long time in that Dodgers org, hoping that he gets a chance. And the fact now that he gets to come to Chicago for that chance, because Tyler, you mentioned some of his numbers. But I think the most impressive thing last year is that in triple A, he had 100 games, just under 100 games. And he hit 323 in 100 games with 618 slugging percentage and just an 18 percent walk rate, 13 percent strike. Um, Sorry, flip that. 18% 18% strikeout rate, 13% walk rate, just phenomenal numbers. Like you can't get like much better than that. You are pushing down the door. So he pushed down the door into a trade because he's just that good. Um, and I'm happy that the Cubs grabbed him. Great breakdown. Kame, um, I know, of course, this is kind of, it's it, in the sense of the deal, it's sort of interesting because it's a lot of names that maybe some people don't know too well that are just average baseball fans. Um, but this is a, a big time prospect from the Dodgers that was sort of blocked, you know, across the way. Um, were you able to gather any insight on sort of like your overall take on what the Cubs got there? Um, or do you, you know, agree with Vinny? Yeah. I mean, I'll piggyback off of what Vinny said. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of major league scouts kind of project him as a long-term first baseman in the big leagues. Um, so I think, you know, like you guys said, I think that's where he ends up eventually, uh, keep in mind, too, the Cubs have been linked to Chapman since the beginning of the offseason. So they can still make a big, big splash at third and have that corner infield set for a few years there going forward. Uh, but I think Michael Bush is a really good get. Um, he's going to hit a lot of home runs in that ballpark, I think, for sure. Um, big power bat that can end up in the middle of that lineup um, down the road. Um, so, yeah, good get for you guys. And then that reliever, you know, bounce back candidate, just kind of taking a flyer. Um, but if that works out, if he gets back to his 2022 form, you know, that could be huge asset for council in that bullpen as well. Kind of, as you mentioned, Ty. So yeah, I agree with you guys. Good move for the Cubs. Um, I think, I I think it was needed, right. They needed a first baseman. So I I think it it was a good move for them for sure. Looking at the Cubs overall. Now, if you're looking at first base, you wonder where Matt Mervis is going to go. You know, that putting the, you know, name of Patrick wisdom out there, who is sort of third base, first base. But I think that Bush is going to end up at first base. If I'm, being a a betting man, because I don't see if you have Bush over at third base and you bring in Mervis, you know, now it kind of screws up where Morrell is going to play. And I think that they truly want to get Morrell on the field. And right now that spot best served is third base for him. And so big decision to come is, are you willing to, take maybe some faults over defensively for morale to make up for the fact of that, you know, you were able to get a nice prospect in Bush and, you know, or 
does Morrell become your full-time DH? And like Kame just mentioned, do you make a big splash with getting a guy like Matt Chapman over at third base for the foreseeable future? When we do the Cubs episode, that'll be a lot of fun because there's a lot of projections there as to what can happen. But now you have a really nice platoon roll across the infield of magical wisdom over at third base. You also have Miles Mastermoni, who really turned it on in the second half last year. Um, but over at first base, I think Bush is going to man that spot. Um, before we get into uh, the other guys, I mentioned briefly at the beginning, um, but Yancy Almonte, he, the big thing that I mentioned was much, much better against right-handed hitters, obviously being a right-handed uh, pitcher, but in 2022, he didn't have that as much where he was facing left-handers a lot. He was generally facing right-handers. And so getting out of maybe that situation is the best thing for him. And I think the Cubs really won this, really won this trade. But let's talk about what the Dodgers got, which for many Cubs fans, they felt they if it, this one stung a little bit, and I'm interested to hear your guys' opinions. So the Dodgers, like I said, received left-handed pitcher Jackson Ferris, talented left-handed arm, uh, only 20 years old. He was a second-round pick in 2022, actually right behind Kate Horton, who is now the Cubs' number one prospect uh, or number one pitching prospect, excuse me. But he was a top 10 prospect for the Cubs, has now slotted into being the Dodgers' number five overall prospect, which is very impressive. He features a 92 to 95 mile per hour fastball, then get up to 97. Uh, it's rated 60 grade per MLB.com, which is always very impressive. But his best secondary pitch is a 12 6 curveball. MLB.com, this is going to be a key thing we talk about, hasn't projected to arrive in 2026. I saw before it was 2027. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. And then Zaire Hope, you know, I. He's a, he's a really, really raw, talented infielder, um, drafted 11th round by the Cubs. Um, he's not yet ranked, but he has tools that will probably put him in the top 100, many say. Um, he grades out with 80 speed and a plus glove. He's a left-handed bat that also projects to have average to above average power at the MLB level, but he still has a lot of swing and miss in his game. Obviously, you're going to find a lot of those same sort of details with young hitters. But Vinny... You know, I know that you're you were a Ferris guy. This is a deal that stings a little bit, but I wonder if you agree or disagree with this uh, with me. Let's say Jackson Ferris doesn't get to the MLB until 2027. Would you rather have Jackson Ferris in 2027, or would you rather have Michael Bush right now? Um, I don't really think it's close. I mean, I'm I'm actually I. So, yeah, I am high on Ferris. I think Ferris is an excellent arm. He does have a downside, though. He walked 14% of batters last year, and he's still got, you know, he's still got some things to work on versus Michael Bush is like, he's here, he's ready. I I don't think it's close. I take Michael Bush 10 out of 10 times. I Again, Ferris has upside potential. He could potentially be an SP2 if all things really click for him, but there's a chance he never makes it. There's a chance he takes three, four more years to get up here. Like, I just I don't I don't know why you wouldn't take Michael Bush every time. He's he's a proven hitter. Finally give him a chance to go out and show show what he can do. He's clearly ready. So um yeah, I I think the Cubs did very well in this trade. I mean, yeah, Jackson Ferris is a is an exceptional talent and I think he he obviously has potential. The Dodgers wouldn't have traded uh Michael Bush unless they were getting something back, but um yeah, I I would take Bush 10 out of 10 times and then um yeah, I think you kept saying Zaire Hope is an infielder. I see him as an outfielder. I think he's an outfielder. Um, but yeah, he flashed big power. Did I screw that up? Little... Did I screw... Is he an outfielder? I think I he's an outfielder. Okay. Yeah, six foot, one hundred ninety pounds. Just he's he's raw. He's very raw, like you said, Tyler. He's just they they have to mold him in quite a few ways. So he's got big power, lots of speed. We'll see where it goes. But um, I would bet on the Dodgers organization figuring something out for him. Yeah, and and Kame, this opens up two forty man spots the Dodgers right away right and and if they're trying to cut bait in areas where they just don't have room for them or maybe volatile like we've seen with many relief arms in the MLB where it's year to year as to their success you know I think the Dodgers looked at this as an opportunity for hey let's maybe take some flyers here we may not be able to get much back you know in reference to this but I mean the Cubs got a good prospect but your, just your thoughts on some of those names you've heard yeah, I mean, I think that sums it up pretty well from a Dodgers, Dodgers perspective, as you just said, kind of clear some 40-man space. We talked about how Bush was blocked over there. Um, so for sure, Ferris going back 
as we know, nobody develops pitchers better than the Dodgers organization. So once they get their hands on them, you know, the upside is there. So why not take a flyer? Um, so as far as the return goes, you know, I, I think it's good for the Dodgers. They don't necessarily need a flashy guy coming back because they're going to be set for a while. There kind of looks like on paper. Um, so it's freeze up some 40 man space from a Dodgers perspective. And, uh, I like the deal from both sides, to be honest with you. Um, I, th- I thought it was a good trade for the Cubs and a and a good move for the Dodgers, too, just to kind of clear some of that 40-man space, like we said. Plus two. Sorry, the Cubs have quite a bit of surplus right now in that kind of lower-end, um, high-prospect, low-MLB talent level, right? They got Wicks. They got Assad. They, you know, hopefully Killian comes up and is something. They just signed Imanaga. So I think they pulled from a surplus and, and plugged into a place where they need. So, yeah, Kyle, I agree with you. It's a great trade for both both teams and that's what you do when you're a team like the cubs like ready to mm-hmm. compete you trade from your surplus right yeah. i mean that's what that's what good, or, good organizations do so well yeah, done jed hoyer mm-hmm. yeah i mean seriously like jed has man I, I i hand up i even said this in the last podcast like i was fed up with just the fact that the cubs weren't spending money doing the things that they needed to do and maybe what we're recognizing with a guy like jed hoyer and, and possibly with other organizations as well is that Jed wants to get the Cubs to a place where they aren't worried about trading prospects and that they have a MLB based team or their MLB, excuse me, not MLB based team, but MLB team that every single year is competing for a division title and likely could be competing in the playoffs. Cause at the end of the day, you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. So if Jed is trying to get to that place, right? Why fork up, you know, you know, this amount of money towards a player that may not be a good deal. He said it best over at CubsCon this past weekend, whereas I'm going to give out contracts that are good for the organization, not necessarily good for that player, just trying to get the fans to be happy, which rightfully so, like good for him for being completely transparent. Um, You know, you wish you would have said that a little bit earlier in the off season, but again, we are seeing teams like the Braves, the Dodgers, and hopefully the Orioles here in the near future, where it's like, their farm systems are so stacked that they can afford to make these moves and then put themselves in unique, unique scenarios in the, in uh, with their MLB team that, you know, they're able to go potentially now their world series favorites. So I like, I, I, when I saw the deal come through, I immediately texted Vinny and I just said, I just love this deal. And I, I just cannot say this enough. Prospects are prospects for a reason. There's a reason that they're not, on the MLB team already. There's a lot of development development that needs to happen. And so if Jackson Ferris maybe wasn't in their plans and Michael Bush is, then it makes sense. You get something in return right now. So overall, very happy with the deal. And Kame said it best. It was actually really good for both sides. They might maybe could have gotten a little bit more from Michael Bush from other teams, maybe. Who knows if that was a bidding war of some form. But this was really quiet. Nobody really saw this coming. And uh, Jed Hoyer works best in the dark, so good for the Cubs. Let's uh, let's move on, fellas, uh, to a former Cub, now a New York Yankee. Marcus Stroman has found his new home in the Bronx. He signed a two-year, $37 million deal with the New York Yankees with a vested option in 2026. That option is for around the same amount of money on an AAV standpoint if he pitches over 140 innings in 2025. So Stroman... Okay, had a great first half last year. As Cub fans, we really saw uh, almost like a Cy Young-like season from him at the beginning. I mean, hitters only had a 566 OPS against him in 454 plate appearances, but with some really, really, really odd injuries, he really struggled in the second half where he only appeared in eight games where hitters had a 916 OPS against him. He even went to the bullpen at one point, which was just a crazy ride for him since the London series against the Cardinals, things really fell off for him, but the Yankees new rotation looks pretty solid. Garrett Cole at the top, Carlos Rodon, hopefully, uh, you know, I think baseball is better when Carlos Rodon is pitching. I've really enjoyed watching him. I really enjoyed him on, on the socks when, uh, he was rolling, but he's man in that two spot. Hopefully he has a healthy year. Marcus Stroman now in the three Clark Schmidt, Young, intriguing arm in the four in the four spot, and then Nestor Cortez, who had a great year in 2022, down year in 2023. But the Yankees generally just had a down year in 2023 by uh, many measures. But uh, K-May, we'll start with you, buddy. I mean, this is uh, 
there were things going around that Stroman and the Yankees didn't see eye to eye with Brian Cashman a couple years ago. Now those things are washed. They apologize to each other. But I thought this was a good get. I wanted to hear your opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we all kind of knew that the Yankees needed to go out and get an arm um, in the offseason for sure. Um, so someone like Stroman, you know, that you compare in the middle of that rotation, probably slots below Rodon, as, as you said earlier. Um, you know, good SP3 for, for the Yankees. Um, injuries can be a concern. He kind of downtick towards the end of last season. Um, but I think it's a good gamble to take. Um, you know, the Yankees are ready to, do ne- ready, ready to win now. Um, those fans are hungry. So I, I think it was the money needed to be spent and a move needed to be made. Um, and they've also been rumored in on Dylan C's too. So they might not even be done adding to that rotation. Um, but good move overall. Like I said, he'll slot right into that middle of the rotation. And I think it's a solid get for them. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Like teams are, you know, people are saying now that the Yankees are done doing stuff. None of these teams are done. No, they're not. They, they can't be because any of these opportunities that come up where they can make their roster better and they can actually entice Juan Soto to want to resign. Many people need to remember that Juan Soto is not a Yankee after this year as of right now. And so we'll talk about him in a little bit, but they're, they they do need to improve this rotation, in my opinion, a little bit more. But Vinny, what were your thoughts? Yeah, totally agree with you. Um, they still have a little bit of work to do. Cole, Rodon, Stroman looks like a great one, two, three on paper, but Rodon and Stroman still have some injury questions that need to be answered, right? We haven't seen Stroman throw over 140 in the last two years. So, and Tyler, like you mentioned, he really fell off when he was, back at the end of last year maybe there was still a little bit a little bit of uh lingering injury but um i am a fan of clark schmidt i like clark schmidt and hopefully nasty nester can get it figured out again because he you talk about fun guys to watch he is a fun pitcher to watch on that mound um so yeah i i think it's a great ad for the yankees um i just again yeah like you said they probably need to add at least one more solid arm and maybe another batter too because especially in that division they are going to have a dog fight so they're going to have to be showing up immediately at the start of next year couldn't agree more it's uh it, it's just the the only thing i think of though is just that new york media right and if stroman does not get off to a good start that's going to a lot of stories are going to randomly come out. A lot of things are going to be built around this team. And this is something that I think a lot of people are going to keep their eye on outside of just New York media and New York Yankee fans, because this element, this rotation, if this clicks, watch out. And I mean, watch out to the Orioles and some of these teams that many people are, we're not seeing those deals be done. We're starting to see the Rays fall off a little bit. The Orioles are kind of staying stagnant. They haven't made a major move yet. Boston's sort of like, where are they going to go? The Blue Jays are, we'll see. But we'll, this is this is going to be a fascinating story for the rest of the year because you know Garrett Cole is going to shove. You know he's going to be out there every fifth day ready to go. Clark Schmidt's an intriguing arm, but Stroman, Rodon, and Cortez, those guys really have to step up. I'll push back a little on your the New York media. He's been in New York before, right? He he played for the. But Mets. how did that go? But how did that go? Yeah, but I you're right. I also like when he came to Chicago though. It was kind of like just he he almost he's gonna search out for that like media attention. I feel like no matter where he goes, maybe that's why he went to New York because even when he was in Chicago, like he was still fired up about X, Y, and Z all the time. Like he was an outspoken dude always. So. Maybe this is just part of how he likes to play. I don't know. But you're absolutely right. They could tear him to shreds, but he's got a two-year contract, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets his third option, you know, vested option. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I agree with that, but I think he can handle it. I think he can, too. I mean, it, it's not – I think where I got pissed off with Stroman as a Cub fan was him – stepping up and saying, or or I don't even call it stepping up. That's a bad word to use because I'm about to diss him. But it's like, dude, you like really need to focus on yourself, right? And like you need to go out there and compete and be a top of the line ace. And then once he spoke out and tried to make things, you know, about himself, which was, hey, you should extend me. I should be extended. 
I want to see in Chicago, whatever you want to do, that's fine. You can just say, I'd love to be in Chicago next year, but I understand that things, you know, need to be determined outside of this versus he was making it like a call out on Jed and all these things. It's like, buddy, we brought you in to be a top of the line guy. Do your job. And I even remember there were people online who were really pushing for it. They were like, yeah, sign him, extend it. How would that have looked at the end of the year? Right? Like that would have looked horrible. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and he declined his player option for 20 million and they got 18. You know what I mean? It's he, I know he got more money. He's going to get more money overall right. in the next two years, but. You would think I, if you want to bet on yourself, you take the 20 million and then you go out and show why you're worth 20 million. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, talking about the Yankees, we saw the largest uh, arbitration deal in MLB history with Juan Soto signing for one year, 31 million. Uh, that exceeds Otani's deal from last year by just $1 million. Soto, of course, as we mentioned, is a free agent at the end of the season, but many have reported the Yankees hope to sign a new deal with him before he hits free, free agency once that last pitch is thrown in the 2024 season. Boys, I know we talked about this beforehand, kind of just giving it a glimpse into what arbitration really is. So arbitration is after a player has completed three full service years in the MLB, they go into what we what they call arbitration, which is simply for this is for fans that are listening and maybe just want a clear understanding of what it is. It's basically where the player has now the ability after three years to now really start to get the money that hopefully he received or should receive in his eyes. So player will come to an arbitrator with the money that he believes he deserves. The team will also come to that with the money that that player they think deserves. And then the arbitrator will make their decision based on the fact of where those numbers are and if both can come to an agreement. And if they don't come to an agreement by a certain deadline, which this in essence with, uh, which in, in this situation this year was January 11th, they then go to an arbitration hearing, which to make it really, really simple, basically the ball club is going to tell you why you aren't worth the money that you think you receive or deserve. And you have to give reasoning as to why you should receive the money that you hope to receive. Of course, this is normally when the player is asking more than what the team is willing to offer in essence of an arbitration hearing. This goes until they finish their sixth year of service in the MLB. Once that is complete, they are now considered a free agent. Now, um, we saw a ton of teams deal with no issues whatsoever uh, when it came to their players filing for arbitration. Uh, but we did see a list of 22 players that didn't reach agreements by the arbitration filing deadline, as I mentioned earlier, on January 11th. Um, I won't go through the entire list, but the list includes Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Luis Arias, Jazz Chisholm Jr., and more. Um, but the funniest one of them all, boys... The Tigers and Casey Mize are going to court. I like to call it court. Uh, I don't know if that's actually the correct term or the arbitration hearing, but they're going to the court over $25,000. A man who is one of your, probably your, was your number one pick a couple years ago. And man, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but you know, a pretty solid pitcher to have on your, on your rotation. Mize wanted $815,000. The Tigers said he's worth $840,000. So just a little fun little tidbit there about um, just what these players unfortunately go through. We saw last year Corbin Burns had some really, really harsh words towards the Brewers organization where he was in his second to last um, year of arbitration where he did have to go to an arbitration hearing and couldn't believe that, you know, basically being how talented he is and how pivotal he is that rotation in that team him having to go to arbitration and then hearing why he's not worth the money he deserves so these this isn't a pretty situation to be in uh players don't want to do this i'm guessing they don't even really like how arbitration works because if they don't get the money they deserve they have to hear as to why they don't uh, deserve it especially after all the time and everything like we mentioned with three years of, uh, of service time so um yeah this is this sucks and it's not fun and good on teams that are able to get this done and get this out of the way. Uh, but yeah, KMA or Vinny, you got anything to add there? Yeah, it's, it's just really wacky. Um, there's really no other sport that does something like this kind of arbitration. Um, but like I said to you, I think the biggest thing that comes out of it is it can really kind of sour a relationship between a player and a, and a team um, just based on how the process goes. Not always the case, you know, like you said, there are a lot of teams who, fortunately do come to an agreement before going to the, to these hearings. 
Um, but yeah, it's just a wacky thing. I, I'm curious to see. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the next CBA or a couple CBAs down the road. If this looks revisited, kind of how the whole process works. Um, Cause like I said, there's really no other sport that does it. Um, it's just kind of wacky. It's always been kind of a weird, wacky thing to me about baseball um, that I, that even as a baseball fan, I have a hard time wrapping my head up around, which is kind of what we talked about before we got on. Um, but yeah, those are really my only thoughts on it. Just kind of a wacky process in general. Yeah. Um, to piggyback off that, you know, some of the guys in particular, like I, I've seen rumors that the Miami Marlins are shopping around Luis Arise at the moment because maybe they don't think that they can um, get him signed for what he thinks he's worth. So, you know, you, you kind of see avenues like this. Oh, well, maybe if we don't think we can sign him, we can use him as a trade piece. So, um, yeah, obviously, Vladdy's the big one in that group, but um, Luis Arise definitely has has some impact and. J.D. Davis is another one who's out there, Adelise Garcia. Um, it'll be kind of interesting, right? What route do these teams want to take? Kyle, you said it perfectly, souring relationships. It's probably the last thing teams want to do, but at the same time, just like Jed Hoyer, right, they have to make the best moves for the organization. And if that includes saving $30,000 in Casey Mize's contract, so be it, right? Like they're, they're going to have to do what they have to do, and sometimes it's ugly, but it's part of the process. Absolutely. I mean, like Vladdy Guerrero Jr. I mean, he was supposed to get, he wants 19. They're only offering 18, like little margins and these margins matter. And we all, we always say this on this podcast too. Like every, remember every organization is a business in itself. It's its own entity and they have financial statements and budgets that they have to stay within. And especially these teams, like, you know, I think about like the Dodgers that are spending uber amounts of cash uh, but deferring it out until 20, you know, 75, but like, you know, teams like the Braves or the Yankees, like these teams, they got some big contracts. And um, when it comes to arbitration, any dollar that they can save, they're going to do. And, um, you know, K-May was, you know, obviously you mentioned it, like it's, a, it's, you hope maybe they can change this around. Uh, the sad part though is, is I don't know because the essence of it, of course, is all right, we're going to let a player, you know, they've shown that, you know, they're going to stick around. They stayed healthy and they put in the time. So we should reward them, but we don't want to reward them. We want to limit the reward. Right. So it's like this whole little battle. And um, yeah, it just, it just, you know, some players, you know, end up not having that bad of a arbitration hearing, but a guy like Corbin Burns, who's a little, probably a little bit more like hey, look what I've done for you type of thing versus maybe some of these other players. Like, Without Corbin Burns, the Brewers probably don't make the playoffs the last couple of years, right? Because yeah. they were in some pretty big, uh, pretty big battles there towards the end. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guy like Corbin uh, Burns got he got burned. Do do. Thanks. Yeah, good. Right. That was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, the Brewers are going to save money because they're a small market, but and same with Toronto probably, right? Maybe that's why they're not going after Vlad. But Vlad's got to prove it. I mean, Vlad, for what what he was supposed to be and what he's – I respect I Toronto for doing it. I mean, yeah, I he's he should go out and be the one that says, okay, I'll take the million-dollar pay cut to show you what I can do, and then he can use that bargaining power a little bit more next year. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not been good for him. But, um, yeah, Juan Soto, $31 million. I can only imagine what his contract's going to be. We could all predict the number, but we're probably $100 million off at this point because this is where baseball is going, and this is how valuable Juan Soto is, and uh, I'm happy for him. I thought you know, exceeding Otani's is kind of ridiculous based on the fact that Otani was pitching at the time and was uh, also hitting, of course, but like to exceed that, but you're only hitting compared to a guy who does both, we can take that up for discussion later, but um, yeah, thought that was interesting. A guy who didn't go to arbitration who actually, or sorry, a guy who's already been through arbitration and a guy that got his money, uh, Jordan Hicks. He signed a four year, $44 million contract with the San Francisco giants. That is all guaranteed. No options in the deal. Um, he has been signed as a starter 
of all things, which uh, kind of came out of nowhere in the offseason where people were saying, well, he's actually looking to be a starter. And then reports were out that maybe he was looking to be just a reliever. Well, the rotation now is Logan Webb, Ross Stripling, Kyle Harrison, Jordan Hicks, and a mixture of a couple guys that are on the uh, aisle right now. And Alex Cobb and Robbie Ray, who came over in the most recent trade with the Mariners. And then Keaton Wynn was also a name mentioned here. But, uh, you know, I, I heard this discussion the other day on the Just Baseball show, which is a podcast I like to listen to a lot. And they talked to Walker Bueller about it. And generally, boys, like we find guys to be going from starters to relievers, back to starters, John Smoltz, you know, some other names as well. Not a guy who's a reliever going to a starter. This is pretty wild. Vinny, what were your thoughts? Um, I don't like it. For the Giants, I, I'm kind of confused. He's never thrown more than 78 innings in any one year. And granted, yes, he's been a reliever. Yes, he's got fantastic stuff. But even with never throwing such a high volume since 2018, like he's always had injury concerns. And so I'm just kind of like, I, I it is kind of a cheap option, right? You said four years, 44 million. So 11 million a year, pretty small compared to some of the other big market pitchers. But I don't know. I mean, I think what, are, what does Fangraphs have him for? I think they have him for nine percent, which is below the five, um, below the starting five. So they don't even expect him to be one of their main starting five throughout the year. We'll see. I, I just, we'll talk about the Giants obviously a little bit more today. So in their in their direction, but overall, I'm I'm not impressed from the deal. Yeah, uh, I I would agree with you, Vin. Um, As a, you know, mostly lifetime reliever, um, I don't know how it makes sense for the Giants, especially if you look at the rest of that division, right? Look at the rotation of the Dodgers and look at the rotation of the D-backs based on what they've done this winter. Um, Right now, you have Logan Logan Webb at the top, Ross Stripling, and Robbie Ray, once he gets healthy, he'll be in there too. You put that up against the Dodgers rotation and the D-backs rotation. Um, it's the third best out of the out of the three of those teams, and it's not really close, in my opinion. Um, so I think there's work to be done. Is the Giants rotation a finished product? Uh, I don't think so. I know we'll get into that in a little bit. I'm talking about potential free agent targets going forward. Uh, but I agree. Kind of a head-scratching move for me. I don't see him um, being successful as a starter um, going forward. It can't be underestimated, too. It's really hard to turn in from a starter to a reliever or reliever to a starter. Like, your training is way different based on how many innings you're preparing to throw for for an entire season. You can't just flip the switch. You know, it's kind of something you have to work into and something you really have to train for. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, but I, I don't see it being successful for the Giants. Yeah. And, and one other thing, too, Vinny, really quick, is that no, Bob no, Melvin... Yeah. Like Bob Melvin's their manager, and he's old school. So, like, he's going to want to see Hicks work things out. And if he works, I mean, if he is off the charts good right away, I think everybody is going to be utterly shocked and everybody will be, um, you know, hand up, hey, I was wrong. But, you know, you're putting a guy in this type of position, you're expecting him to be successful and to never do this before. Well, these guys are pitchers, they probably started in high school and all these different things, but. Man, this seems like a really tough scenario, dude. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I did want to bring up too, like this kind of pitcher is a huge it's the San Francisco Giants mold. Like if you look at their other pitchers, Alex Cobb and um who's the other um um Alex Cobb and Logan Webb, the guy who was in Cy Young voting, they are ground ball pitchers, right? And Jordan Hicks is a ground ball pitcher last year. He was in the 96th percentile with a 58% ground ball rate. That is excellent. He has posted ground ball rates above 60% most of his career, right? So that fits the mold that the Giants are trying to build, right? They get ground ball pitchers. But the only thing is, if you're going to get ground ball pitchers, get a good defense behind you. Like how, like the Cubs have done that, right? The Cubs got ground ball pitchers, but then they surrounded it with a good defense and things have worked out. Kyle, you mentioned it. This division is not a cakewalk, right? And so why sign a ground ball guy who, yes, he fits your mold and that may be what you want to do, but you need defense. Like you have no defense in the infield, which I'll dive into a little bit when we talk about the Giants, but just doesn't make sense. 
I don't get it. Well, let's talk about the Giants, Vinny, and let's talk about their 2024 outlook. Um, you, you you make some very, very good points there, um, but they made you know some moves, uh, the biggest one being Jung-Hoo Lee, who's going to be manning center field moving forward, uh, the KBO All-Star, um, really a, a really fun player that a lot of people are very excited to be, or excited to see, excuse me, but Fangrass projected lineup right now for 2024. I mentioned him uh, right there with Jung-Hoo Lee. Uh, they're saying he's going to be batting leadoff. Tyro Estrada, manning second base in the two spot. Lamonte Wade Jr., manning first base. Uh, Wilmer Flores will be the DH. Michael Conforto out in left. J.D. Davis over at third. Mike Yastrzemski over in right. Patrick Bailey manning the dish. A If you want to watch some highlights of a dude who's got a cannon, watch highlights of Patrick Bailey. Unbelievable defender. Uh, behind the dish, and then Marco Luciano at short. We already mentioned uh, their rotation, but their bench, Tom Murphy, Brett Wisely, Elliot Ramos, and then Austin Slater. Finally, their bullpen, which I think is it's good to add in this conversation because of the fact that um, we, are, we thought that Hicks would be added in this, and I would love to have seen him be added. But Camilio Duvall uh, being the, the one of the best closers in baseball – Tyler Rogers, Taylor Rogers, Luke Jackson, Ryan Walker, Sean Hagelli, I believe is how you say his name. I apologize if that's wrong. Eric Miller and Tristan Beck is the long reliever. So, Vinny, I'll turn it over to you, buddy. You mentioned it right away. Their defense is not suited for ground ball pitchers. So I'll turn it over the floor to you, man. What are your thoughts on this lineup, and where can we maybe see some improvements? Yeah, Um just to back up what I was saying, just so you guys are aware too, the Giants last year had the worst, the worst fielding percentage in baseball. The worst. And they were bottom five in defensive efficiency in front of the Oakland Athletics, the Boston Red Sox, the Colorado Rockies, and the St. Louis Cardinals. Like, these are not teams that you want to be associating with. I mean, the Cardinals I'm kind of surprised to see down there, but... Either way, like you cannot have the worst fielding percentage and then go get a ground ball pitcher because it just it won't work. Um, I don't know why they didn't just go try to sign Stroman at, at a little bit higher price. Like, you know, he fits their mold as well. Maybe they wanted a little more control, but I would much rather have Stroman for two at 20 than than Jordan Hicks for four for 44. But anyways, um, some places that we can see growth. Uh, Tyler, or I'll, I'll hit on two. Um, one, and they're kind of both newly graduated prospects or are still on their prospect list. One is Kyle Harrison. Um, he came up last year. He is a pitcher for them, one of their starting pitchers, hoping to slot into their number three. And Kyle Harrison just needs to walk fewer people. Like he has excellent stuff. That's it. That's that's his one downfall is he just walks too many guys. And as a starter, you're going to get killed. Um, you know, you're lucky that, you know, they play in a park that is in the better half of, uh, of all parks for pitchers to pitch in, but you can't keep putting guys on and expecting to get away with it unless your name is somehow Blake Snell. I don't get it. Um, so he's one to watch. And then the other one that I think people should really watch this year is Marco Luciano, their shortstop. Um, something that just blew my mind. And I don't know if you guys knew this, right? He was drafted in 2018 as an 18-year-old, and he had 10 home runs in his first 47 games as an 18-year-old. And the most impressive part about that, 10 home runs in 47 games is pretty impressive as is. But as an 18-year-old, are you ready? He had a max exit velocity of 119 miles per hour. As an 18-year-old, this dude has real power. Just for reference, too, the max ball, the, the max EV last year out of all MLB was Ronald Acuna Jr. at 120. He hit a ball 121.2. Then you have Stanton at 119. Ellie De La Cruz at 119. This dude has that type of power, this Acuna, Stanton, Ellie type of power, Marco Luciano. The only problem with him is that he has 30 grade contact. So he needs to make contact. His contact rate is under 75%. Um, 
he's just if he makes contact even to like 40 or 50 grade like even just average contact the dude's going to be a stud um so he's got to figure it out kyle harrison has to figure it out this team could make strides forward but still seems like a, a long shot if i'm being honest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a guy like you know casey schmidt which a lot of people were really really excited about he meets more of the fold as to where they're going from their pitching staff because his defense is outstanding. He's got a cannon of an arm, and he's a better defender than Luciano. But, you know, they obviously want to get more offense. It's just it's just two completely different mindset sets as to what they're doing from, you know, obviously when they had Brandon Crawford and they had that really solid defense on the back, uh, for behind, you know, their starting rotation, you know, it made things work. That's why they had that successful year is because they were really, really good on the margins. They found guys that, you know, were able to plug in in the exact scenarios that they needed them to be good at, like Darren Ruff and some of these other names. But now they're in a position where I just think, I feel bad saying this, but I think they're just trying to make their fans feel a little bit happier about where the team is at and where the offseason is going. And I think this is going to bite them in the ass with these moves. KMA, what were your thoughts, man? Yeah, um, I agree with you guys. The one thing I'll say about the Giants is they're always that team that kind of surprises people, right? Like you never really expect them to be at the top and then they end up jumping out and being in the, in the playoff race. You know, even was it, what was it last year, the year before when they were right in the playoff race till the end, I think they were hovering around 500 for most of the year where everyone was expecting to be out of the race in June. Um so, you know, I wouldn't count them out necessarily right off the bat because they they always tend to surprise people. But I agree with you guys. I, I think the gaps are there both in the rotation and the lineup when we're talking about in that division. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you guys you guys said, said it pretty, pretty good. Um, then I didn't realize their defense was that bad. Um, you know, not, not, now that you say that, it, make, it makes sense just based on, you know, the results that we saw. Um, but, yeah, definitely some improvements can be made for sure. Yeah, and and yeah. really quickly, I forgot to mention too. Just you know, they were seventy nine and eighty three last year, fourth in the NL West. They got a little bit better as we talked about it here uh, this off season thus far. But go ahead, Vinny. No, no, you that another great point. I was just going to say it. They're you mentioned it. They're doing this like weird straddle. Like they sign Robbie Ray, they sign Jung Hu Lee, but what do they do? It like they're not getting enough. I don't even think they're close. Like if I was a Giants fan, I would be kind of mad because I feel like they're throwing away the next five, 10 year window at this point. Like, you know, like Kyle, Kyle did say, you know, don't ever count them out. It is baseball. Anything can happen. If you sneak into the playoffs, you know, they've shown success before. If anyone has kind of surprised people, it's been them. But I just, I don't think that that's a formula you can count on and the formula that you can bank on to work. Like you need to be better and, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm probably kind of upset at how this offseason's gone because just the direction is not one that I'd be excited for. Yeah, and let's talk. Go ahead, their, Sorry, To their credit, they've been taking big swings, right? They've just been yeah. missing. Yeah, um, you're right. Carlos Correa last offseason, that whole that whole thing that went down. Um, they they took a swing at uh, they tried Juan Soto, Ar- I think, right? Ar- or yeah, Judge, Judge, Arson, Judge, Arson Judge, Judge. Yep, yep. Otani, right? Yep. Like they they've been they've been swinging. They've been in the water, so. Give them credit for swing with the big dogs. They just they just swung and missed a lot of times, but God bless them. They keep swinging, and and they they were. You make a great point there, KMA, because it's it's easy to get on these teams that haven't done well, but they were connected to Yamamoto. They were connected to Otani. They were connected to you mentioned Correa, Judge. They probably were connected to some of these other arms. There's just you know people now are coming out and saying, do people want to live in San Francisco? CM said it the worst way you could have possibly said it, but he said it and that's his opinion. He's entitled to his opinion, but it is tough. I mean, if I'm looking at this right now and Vinny, you, like you just said, right, it's where, like how much better have they really gotten? So if I'm looking at this, Milwaukee's better than them. Cincinnati's better than them. I think the Cubs are better than them. Mm-hmm. And I would even best to say that the Cardinals are better than them. Okay. Atlanta, Philly, both better than them. And then the Dodgers, the D-backs. Could even maybe, maybe throw the Padres in there, too, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. They're they're so, at the bottom of those teams. They'll, they'll need some luck to roll their way if they want to sneak in. They will. They will. Mm-hmm. This is – it's not looking good. Um, but let's maybe talk about some things that might be good. Maybe not. We'll see. 
Um, looking at their top 10 or top 30 prospects right now, just some of the names to throw out there. We mentioned them off the top. Uh, Kyle Harrison is still the rank, rank the number one prospect. He'll come off that board here pretty soon. Luciano will probably move into the, into the one spot there. Carson Weisenhunt will is manning the third spot right now. Bryce Eldridge, Walker Martin, who's a Colorado kid who is, I know he's a long ways away, but he's an absolute stud. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Rainer Reyes, Grant McRae, Reggie Crawford, who I saw live at the Arizona Fall League. He's borderline the rock playing baseball. I mean, specimen, absolute specimen, two-way guy uh, that can hit lasers from, uh, you know, being a left-handed hitter. I saw him hit a laser that literally took a shortstop's glove off, and that's in the Arizona Fall League. So he's still probably a little ways away. But, uh, yeah, those are just some of the names to mention. Um, I mean, Vinny, I mean, any any excitement for any of those guys? Oh, yeah. I mean, Kyle Harrison and Luciano I talked about. I'm, I'm not super high on Harrison, but I think Luciano can, if he figures it out, he's one to really watch out for. But the two, my two favorites and one of my favorite prospects in all of baseball is Bryce Eldridge. Um, he is a two-way player as well. And I think he has the highest potential out of anyone in the minor leagues right now there's a lot of two-way players in the minor leagues who you know like Bubba Chandler who we talked about a a few episodes ago he worked as a two-way player but Eldridge has the best shot in my opinion to stick as a two-way player Um, he throws mid-90s fastball he hits at high exit velocities last year he posted a 294 400 505 slash line and single a um He's he's just he's six seven. He's a big dude, and I would be kind of surprised if he didn't figure it out for both sides because he has the potential to do it. Um, you mentioned Walker Martin. I didn't realize Walker Martin. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year from coming out of Colorado, and uh, he led his football team and baseball team both to state championships for like two or three years in a row. Like Eaton Eaton High School's that like diamond in the rough. They're in northern Colorado, um, middle of nowhere but just loaded every single year. They got a kid going to Oklahoma, Walker Martin, of course, who just got drafted. He was going to go to, I believe it was Louisville, or or he was going to a top-level school. So, yeah, very impressive. But go ahead. Did, did you see, real quick, to the um, just his his numbers, I think? Am I, Ridiculous. Didn't he, didn't he bet over, like, 650 in high school? Six, where is it, where is it? 636 with a 722 on-base percentage, 20 home runs. And a 1632 slugging percentage. That's not, that's not a, and if I'm correct, I don't think Eaton High School is a uh, walk in the park either, hit a bomb. No. So, yeah, it's, I I wasn't shocked to see that he got, he got drafted. Those are, those are video. I couldn't hit that good if I was playing on rookie mode as Shohei Otani or Aaron Judd. Like, I couldn't do that in a video game. And this guy's doing it in real life. Unbelievable. Pretty good. Pretty good. What a great guy. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, Okay, man, any prospects from you or kind of the same things like we just talked about? Yeah, one guy we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Mason Black. He ended the year in AAA. Um, bid three ZRA, fastball sits in the mid-90s, good slider. Um, he's a guy, we talked about the uncertainty with Jordan Hicks. That's a guy who could, that could uh, finish up, wind up as a depth piece for them uh, at the big league level. At the big league level. Um, you know, some promise there. Um, who knows how I'll do in the bigs, but definitely a death piece, you know, if, if they're struggling for innings or they need guys to throw innings, um, in that rotation. Mm-hmm. Boys, cool. I, uh, I mean, what, uh, Vinny, were you going to mention one more guy? Yeah, just one more. If you got time for it, if not, Go ahead. I was just, I love Rainer Arias. He was, he's 17 years old, 6'2, 185. Um, he only played in the DSL, which is the Dominican summer league last year. And, Signed internationally last year in 2023. His slash line, 414, 540, 793. So, again, more video game numbers, just un- unreal. So, he's got um, potential. That's Raider area, 17-year-old out of their, their organization. So, look for him to make big strides. Maybe we'll be talking about him this time next year as a, as a number one guy for them. Um, yeah, super, super high ceiling for him. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, just one more guy. I mean, I could talk about these guys all. They have a really good system. I, I will say, for all the crap that we've given them for their major league team, I do really like their their farm system. Yeah, let's see a guy like Tyler Fitzgerald. He's an Illinois kid. Uh, played at Louisville. Uh, he's 
really grinded through the minors. Uh, he's a kid that uh, played a little. He got up. He made his big league debut last year. Shortstop, third base, play all around the infield. Excited to see him as well. Um, I think free agents wise at this point, it's sort of like you know you kind of have a a jumble of stuff in the starting rotation. Uh, at this point, you're telling Hicks that he's going to be a starter. Um, so really, lineup wise, boys, I mean, maybe there's some underrated names that they can pick up here. Um, I just, I just really don't see. I mean, you, like I said, you could pick up guys, but then you're taking away some of these veterans and you're plugging them in back on the bench, which just doesn't create a good dynamic. I think Bob Melvin's going to do uh, a good job and 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 take care of this team and everything. So with Gabe Kapler now being uh, with the with the Marlins, um, well, boys, I, uh, uh, I got one ahead. more thing, Ty. Sorry. So I thought of this mid episode. We talked about their struggles with defense, the, specifically the infield defense. How do what do you guys think about Elvis Andrews as like a veteran presence being there? They can plug in, play a handful of games. He's done a great job everywhere he goes. He's yeah. loved. He's loved he, with the Sox. He, he's old, but I mean he could play a role on a team. Not bad. I I I wonder what he would come at, what price. I agree. I don't really have great, great piece. Yeah, they don't. If if Casey Schmidt somehow doesn't make the big league roster, they do not really have uh, a backup infielder besides uh, Brett Wisely, but you know he's 24 years old. He's had uh, just under a year of service time. You know, probably something that you want to look towards. But uh, that's a great call, KMA. I think just I think that's the big word here is just trying to figure out depth. And um, if any of these guys go down, you know, making sure that you got something to um, hopefully replace them with. You know, average if we're looking at age right now. Lamonte Wade's over the age of 30. Wilmer Flores, who's always a fun fantasy baseball pickup, but he's 32. Conforto's 30. J.D. Davis is 30. Yastrzemski, I didn't realize this is 33 years old. So guys that are getting up there in age, you got to make sure the depth is there. But, you know, if if Vinny is right in this, uh, you know, pro- and these uh, prospects do turn out good, you know, maybe hopefully things look a little bit better in a couple of years. Um, anything else then on the Giants, boys, for I just uh, – End it here with just the uh, international prospects that were just signed. Just pick a direction, San Francisco. Like you said, maybe it'll work out for them in a few years, but it's not going to work out if they keep spending all their money now and and then their prospects get up and oh hey, by the way, we got to sell this guy and this guy can't resign. We'll see how it works out. I think they're going to have to make some organizational, structural changes. But you know, I'm no GM, so we'll see. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, so I'm, I apologize if I butcher any of these names. I'm actually going to do my best. Uh, but international prospects were signed here this past week. Um, a lot of fun names and a lot of money thrown out for, for these kids, rightfully so, because a lot of these guys are probably going to turn out to be very successful big leaguers. But number one at the top was Leo DeVries, uh, who signed with the Padres. He's a shortstop out of the Dominican Republic. Also two out of the DR, Polino Santana signed with Texas, uh, Jose Perdomo, shortstop, uh, signed with Atlanta. He is out of Venezuela. Uh, and number four, we had Fernando Cruz, a shortstop out of the DR, who signed with the Cubs. And finally, uh, making it four out of the five top prospects that earn the most in uh, their signing deals is Adolfo Sanchez, an outfielder uh, who signed with the Reds. Um and I'm trying to remember, do you guys know, I, I was going to do a little bit of research on this if we had time, but we're running up here on an hour. I mean, any names off the top of your head from the last couple of years, international prospects wise, that have really kind of come into the fold? I, I, I couldn't think of any off, off the top of my head because I haven't done a lot of research on that per se. But I mean, man, this some of these guys are, they're not getting low contracts, man. Four million, five million, like life changing money. And it's awesome to see. Yeah, wasn't Rosarena an international guy? Or am I wrong there? I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, it's just, I, I think some of these names, uh, you know, I think, um, you here's, know, I, I, I here's would expect, some. like, go, Sorry, ahead. go ahead. So Jazz Chisholm was a was an international guy. Ronald Acuna Jr., if you've heard of him, um, he, is a, he was an international guy. Rafael Devers, Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, Ellie De La Cruz, Yandy Diaz, Yandy Diaz Ezekiel Tovar, um, Framber Valdez, Asturio Ruiz, Shohei Otani, Jordan Alvarez, Yuri Perez, 
Jackson Churio, Luis Arise, Andres Jimenez. I mean, so many, like so, so many. I got to screw guys. that up because I, I couldn't think of just like, oh, yeah, if he's out of the DR, he's an international prospect. But I was more, maybe what I was more looking for was like players that were top five signees money-wise that have really panned out. And I'd be shocked if maybe like Ronald Cunha Jr. wasn't one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, Juan Soto's on this list. Vladdy Jr.'s on this list. Sandy Alcantara, Julio Rodriguez. Luis um, definitely like the top of his class. I remember mm-hmm. that when the White Sox signed him, he was like the number one, but he's like a once in a lifetime prospect, mm-hmm. right? Like, so he was, he was well known at the time. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I think this Leo DeVry guy is, he's definitely the top of this class. Some un- interesting ones, though, um, that uh, Santiago, Santino Paulino, pa- I'm saying that yeah. wrong. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but Paulino, Paulino. Paulino. Yeah. Um, Fernando Cruz, if, if any Cubs fans remember, what Christian Hernandez was supposed to be. Um, I think Fernando Cruz is saw that definitely this guy. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of could have been in this could have been. Yeah. He's unfortunately kind of fallen off a little bit, but dude, it's just so hard, man. They're so young. These kids are 16, 17 years old. Man. Well, they're young. And also like the data tech, like typically isn't the greatest, you know, it's like hard to gauge how good of a hitter. Some of these guys are like, you can see, Oh yes, this guy hits the ball really hard, but what kind of contact do they make? And that's why we see this trend with a lot of minor leaguers, you know, when they get picked up from Dominican or Cuba or Bahamas, wherever it's hard to gauge how good of hitters they are. And so that's why we see huge power upside, but bad hit tool. Um, So, you know, you you notice that trend with, excuse me, a lot of prospects and that's why just not as much data. And, and you'd think, too, like, I mean, you're dishing out $4 million to a kid. Like, you better have it down to a T, right? Mm-hmm. And now you can see how the Padres are kind of starting to navigate their ways. Now, they may have spent that last year. I don't know. But it's kind of funny how, you know, oh, wow, we should maybe uh, focus on maybe saving money a little bit and developing our system uh, and not training away every prospect. Which, you know, they almost got in the world there. They'll be a fun team to dive into because with their TV deal – falling through and everything how that kind of has shifted their their team that's focus. holding out the rangers too you know that's yeah. kind of holding out them from making that big move that's why people are just like he's going jordan montgomery's going back to texas when they figure out the ballet sports thing mm-hmm. they've been a part they're a part of every issue it seems like ballet sports like from weren't they with san diego yeah they were mm-hmm. and aren't they with colorado like are, are not colorado's and they're not in a situation right now but they're they're kind of causing havoc a little bit, and like uh, the, they need yeah, to get like out of the way. It's like half the league, I feel like. Were the Cubs on something with Marquis? Because at the time, I hate Marquis, and I still am not crazy about it. But I mean, <laughs> it's Disney World over there now, dude. I mean, it's we, we whatever. We could talk about that later. It's, yeah, we'll talk it's, about it on the Cubs the Cubs pod. Stay tuned I, if you want to hear our thoughts on TV deals. Yeah, came majorly excited. Tune in next. <laughs> That'd be good. Do do a little wrap up like that. Tune in next week for Ty Lewin's thoughts on what team are we doing? One moment, please. Oh, please hold. Please, yeah. please hold. Do 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 That was pretty good. That was in unison. That's oh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We practiced this. <laughs> this is this is going well. Um, okay, so next on the list, boys, will be the Marlins. And then we get in some. Then we get in some fun ones: Brewers, Mets, Red Sox, Reds, Padres, and then Cubs. And the Marlins would be a fun one. Agreed. Very excited. Be. Yeah. Because who knows what the hell they're going to do at this point? Sounds like Lizardo is maybe going to be in Baltimore Oriole here in a couple of weeks. Who knows? We're definitely in that part of the rankings where like these teams are either falling off or like they have a chance to shoot up. Like so, this is an exciting part because you know a lot of these teams finished around the same area last year, but headed in totally different directions. Absolutely. For sure. Well, boys, anything else? It's good to catch up with you guys. Yeah, you're beautiful. Oh, and I got a lot of slack for um not knowing what spit and chicklets meant. Kyle, do you know what that means? Yeah, it's a yeah. podcast. Oh, but like, do you know what spit and chicklets is? Like not like podcasts aside. No. Oh, look at that. Oh. So here's the thing. Like, I were people giving you flack for not knowing the podcast or people no, you just no, not knowing what spit not and knowing what it means. Okay, so it just means spitting their teeth out from a fight. Yeah, like getting their teeth oh, knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Makes sense. 
Yeah, but right? you got flack. For, you got flack about who'd you get flack my, from? My dad and then my mom, both of them. I mean, the only people who <laughs> listen to this podcast, right? Both of them texted me. And then well, I said, you have a problem with what I know. I'm just blaming the manufacturer, a.k.a. you guys. Like, I don't know what maybe, to tell you. Maybe it's a generational thing then. Yeah. Because I've never heard. I How's the podcast? It's it's a good one. I think you said last time. It's amazing. It's yeah. one of my favorite podcasts I listen to. And, I, and I'm. It got me into somehow being in a uh, fantasy hockey league that I am the last place team. I'm absolutely terrible. I accidentally, I think I draft so well. And then now I'm like, you know, losing by 50 to 60 points every single week. So mm, it's tough. That's um, a tough one. Fantasy. It's hockey. tough. It's, uh, it's so hard yeah. because then it's, it's like, you're trying to pick up guys. You think you're picking up the best players, but they're not on the best line. They don't have the best, like, teammates on their line or line mates. And then they don't have, they're not on the power play. It's, it's so hard to keep up with, uh, especially with how much I dive into baseball and worry about baseball. Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a two, I'm not made, I'm not built different to be not a, a two, two sport. sport. Yeah. I'm not a two sport guy. I was terrible at basketball in high school. You know that Vinny. So I yeah, I, baseball. Yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to agree with that. No, I was, we were both bad. I was worse. We were, I mean, yeah. I don't, I, we're both bad. I mean, you know, you were electric around the rim, though. You got after it. Do you remember when you would dribble and and uh, <laughs> turn it over? Um, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. I was too busy checking out your girlfriend in the stands. Oh, good one. Yeah, yeah that 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 one works out well. Shocking if people are still listening this far on the podcast, <laughs> they hear these jokes at this point. Okay, mate, were you a rebound machine, or are you more of like a defensive guy up top? Like, no, I, I was. Guy? I was a big like defensive specialist. I had no shots. Um, Character. I was, I, I was short, but I had I played lockdown D, so I was like the seventh man off the bench. Let's say defense all about hustle. Guy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I had quick feet. Yeah, stayed, stayed in front. That's all you need to do. You know, mm-hmm. big time character guy. Big time. Character take a flop guy. or two, or not oh take yeah, take a charge. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Good. Good. We need those guys. Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> mate. If people don't know you, my favorite thing is when you impersonate things at a very high intensity rate. So you would like, we'd be at a bar or something and you would like flat out show how you'd play defense on a guy. Absolutely. And like people (laughs) would just fall to the floor laughing because it's just, it's just all out. He'd probably take the charge and probably act as the ref at the same time. I'm going to need to see this. Oh, buddy. I'm going to need to see this. Boys, we're going to have some. Boys, I'm a, I'm a PE teacher. You got to play the part, you know. Yeah, that's oh true. My god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, it's just, yeah. So many memories. So many memories. Well, beautiful. Uh, boys, been a pleasure. Uh, to everyone that listened, thank you so much for tuning in for another edition of the Big Fly Pod, and we will talk to you again here soon.